Hey sis, it's a weekly shakedown of the binary walls around us. Breaking it out and building a bridge. Checking our biases with empathy and humility and questioning the status quo. So building allyship that is intentional and confident. Um, Hi, my name is Cynthia. And my name is Isaac. And we're super excited to be coming to you with Hey Sis, a weekly podcast. So yeah, so my name is Isaac and I use he, they pronouns. Um, I'm a non-binary trans person and uh, I've been openly trans for about, what is it? It's 2020, so about 10, 8 to 10 years. Yeah, so it's been a while. Although with the amount of time it's taken us to get through 2020 so far, it's like more like 18 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's added about <laughs> 10 years on top of that, it seems to be, yeah. I'm Cynthia. I use she, her pronouns, and I am a cisgender parent of a trans child. So uh, our little one transitioned in elementary school, and they were their school's uh, first openly trans student, but no doubt likely not first trans student within the school. And I've been um, advocating for them ever since they've come out and just trying to figure out why they've been erased through their whole childhood in Mm -hmm. school and all around us and how very little I knew about trans and non-binary people before I realized I had a child who is one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure your um, kind of conception of what transgender meant kind of changed as soon as you had your child, correct? Like as your child, when your child came out or were you... Oh, transformative. Yeah, mm-hmm. like totally for a pun on the word. I uh, I just, I had no idea what trans meant. Mm-hmm. But my kiddo, when he got the language to be able to um, identify the stuff that he'd been grappling with inside him, um, he knew exactly um, the, all the language mm-hmm. and, and what it meant and was a real educational piece for us. So as parents, um, for me, it was a huge learning curve. And I'm just grateful I was able to take the time to listen to what they were telling me mm-hmm. yeah and I think I think the biggest kind of like one comparison to that too is that the younger trans generation that is now coming up like when I was younger I wasn't you know 20 30 years ago um, but uh, the internet was still relatively quiet when I was you know 14 15 and uh, you know the time since then um, you can find everything at online like I first I'm trying to remember I first found out I was trans because I was in a hospital program and there was someone there who was also identified as trans and I was like I now have a name to this like feeling that I've been feeling for so long because I had felt trans for you know four or five years before that but then I finally once you find that name to attach to it it's like everything starts lining up and you know where to go and you can find those resources so I think you know the, the term transgender is eye-opening for so many individuals, but I think the definition of what transgender is is something that's skewed often. So I, I find yeah. the term transgender really depends on the individual. Like it has an overcompassing like this is what transgender means, but mm-hmm. you know it's very personal. So yeah, Isaac, I can I can totally hear what you're saying, and I can imagine before you had a name to put. Uh, to what being trans is it must have been kind of scary like those feelings that were going on inside you maybe you can just talk a little bit about what being trans means to you and what was it like when you finally had um a a word to explain those feelings yeah no it definitely like kind of as i mentioned it was very eye-opening because once you find a word because you know, living your life as a cis female for so long and you're like, okay, is this me? Is this, I was going through a lot of mental health episodes, which 
subsequently was part of being not being able to find that right word, but you know, like anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, like substance abuse, like things like that. Um, and then once I found this word, it was just like, you know, the clouds opened up, like it was like a whole new, like whole new day. Um, and I think, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things too, is that a lot of people don't realize that like just having a word for something that you're feeling helps validate that so incredibly much. Um, and so, yeah, so like trans to me simply means that like you no longer identify or you identify as something other than what you were given at birth. Is, would that equal to like your understanding of trans or... Yeah, I think I've always, I thought of it as an umbrella term mm -hmm. um, for um, somebody whose gender identity doesn't align with their sex as a sign of birth. Mm -hmm. And that's a very clinical way of, of putting it. Yeah. Um, but actually, when we should clarify, this helps to um, to clarify for everybody out there um, what cisgender means yeah, as well. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might be going, hey, sis, what is this? I'm like, I'm not your sister. I'm probably old enough to be your mother. <laughs> um, but uh, what cisgender is, um, very cool, the Latin term. So cis is on the same side as. So cisgender is for anyone out there whose sex is a sign of birth, simply aligns with how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. So your gender identity on the inside. So, yeah, yeah so trans... For um, some people, it can be not aligning with your sex's sign of birth and kind of going completely the opposite way, right? Mm -hmm. And can be very kind of definitive. I was assigned female at birth and no, I identify as a male. But mm -hmm. for others out there, you can lie somewhere in between. Is that mm -hmm. right? And feel yeah. not quite female, not quite male and sort of gender fluid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a really good explanation because I think... I think so often with like the term transgender, we get so muddled with the difference between like gender and sex and that like when you think of the word transgender, a lot of people thinks it means like trans, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this term, but if it's used medically like transsexual, like where you kind of 180 your like sex assignment kind of thing, which is so mm -hmm. not the case whatsoever. Um, like for instance, like to break it down a little bit more, like gender is what you feel and then sex is what you biologically are. So, you know, a lot of times it can be based on your hormones or reproductive organs, etc. Sex is definitely a more medical term, um, typically uses, you know, male, female or intersex. And there are, there are other, also are other options as well. Hormones are not black and white <laughs> in any no. shape or form. So no, it's complex. It's totally, I love, um, Oprah Winfrey with Janet Mock, um, a trans activist and model of the U S in mm. one of their, uh, Oprah's soulful Sundays, uh, having a conversation with Janet Mock, it was said that, um, sex is who you go to bed with at night. Gender identity is who you go to bed as. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how you see yourself in your dreams and, mm. and, and who is your most innermost sense of self. Yeah. Really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like gender, like at least for me I always see it broken down into like gender identity and gender expression so gender identity is kind of how you feel about yourself and then gender expression is how you show yourself to the world kind of thing so some individuals like like for myself for instance I'm a non-binary person that's how I identify but when I dress up in the morning I try to dress myself as masculine as possible because of the fear of being misgendered or being skewed to be a woman mind you I have facial hair and everything in a societal norm most people would be like nah you're you know a man yeah, yeah. but uh, that's how I choose to portray myself socially in order to align with 
you know, my social, my gender identity. And other people, you know, they might identify as something else, but represent themselves socially in a different way. So that's a really good point because gender expression and then gender identity. I hear this so often. People get really confused um, if they see someone who is, say, presenting butch or presenting, mm-hmm. um, you know, more masculine. So if, a say, a person who identifies as a man wears nail polish and wants to wear yeah. makeup, does that mean that they're transgender? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the answer is no. No, no. Right. It's not. That's So yeah. your gender expression is just basically how you present yourself to the world mm-hmm. and it can change right yeah. all the time and yeah and that being said you know you can identify as a cis man or a cis woman and that doesn't mean you you know your gender expression has to be feminine or masculine or neuter neuter or whatever have you you know you can identify as a cis woman and you know your gender expression is also like feminine but you can you know be more masculine like women are allowed to do masculine things um, so isaac can you personal question then yes. so you use hey um they and them pronouns and yeah. you use he him pronouns yeah. so if you had a preference and you wanted to people people to address you as one particular would you prefer they them or um does it really not matter to you it honestly doesn't matter to me like i'm a very i don't know like I've, I've, I know a couple other people who, like, they just use, they say he, they, but they prefer they. But for me, for instance, like, I don't really care. It's literally just, like, anything but she, her at this point. Okay. <laughs> um, that's kind of, like, my outlook for it. Like, there's also, like, neo-pronouns, which aren't, like, the traditional, like, he, they, she kind of thing. And if you want to call me those, that's fine. But, like... Right, I know, and I hear new pronouns all the time. Yeah. I see them in writing, depending on what country you're in, mm-hmm. and that too. And I wouldn't necessarily know, but I think for me, if I don't know, I just tend to go with they them and yeah, just keep it yeah. gen neutral or use the person's name or um, or ask. I mean, yeah. I always try to encourage people like you can ask without being offensive if yeah. you're asking intentionally mm-hmm. um only this past weekend uh, we bumped into someone who um my kids were hanging out with a friend and a neighbor wasn't sure of their gender mm. or, and they thought their name was a masculine name mm-hmm. and uh and it was actually a feminine name yeah. in this instant. And, you know, we had to kind of have the conversation like, oh, no, well, you know what? Names can be for, for anybody. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, you know, you see lots of names that are used female, mm-hmm. also use masculine and crossing over. So I always just think when in doubt, say, hey, I just don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Can yeah. You help like, me out what here? are your pronouns kind yeah. of thing? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that we need to start integrating into, like, our greetings to individuals and especially in like professional environments too, like mm-hmm. whole other can of worms. But uh, like on that topic, it's really funny because um, my parents, for instance, they both have gender neutral names. So people would call and they'd be like, can I speak to miss, Mr. Such and such? Like, and I'm like, yeah, here he is. Like, and they're like, ah, there you go. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so many people base names off of like what they're, genderfication i would say is like based off of you know like mike is a man name and sarah is a girl name we're so gendered like wait a minute now you're wearing pink pink i still remember this is well i'm saying this my it was my niece when she was Mm -hmm. like three hadn't started school yet and so her socialization had pretty much come from the home and TV, mm-hmm. you know, certain stores where she goes through with her parents and she was at a McDonald's and she pointed out to a guy who's wearing a pink t-shirt and was like, daddy, 
horrified. He's wearing a pink shirt. Oh. Pink's for girls. <laughs> You're like, where did you learn this? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm like, not my niece. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, geez. I mean, it's like we're ingraining yeah. in kids, which I think is why it's so hard for... Um, for young trans and mm. say gender creative kids to kind of find that language unless mm. uh, teachers and that are helping to support them yeah. from a really early age, right? Yeah. Because and yeah, and I think I think that's really important. Like speaking of like kind of like school because that's a, that's one of the other spaces where they feel most comfortable and confident, and that's where they're doing a lot of their socialization because that's where they're at like eight hours a day potentially. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you, we need definitely need more teachers and advocates for you know trans people or gender diverse communities um, to kind of like speak out and be more aware of these things and aware mm -hmm. of like what curriculum they're. I would I would use the term enforcing kind of on youth because a lot of times you know some of it is very you know cis centric and it's focused on you know girls over here guys over there. Yes, like, when our kid first uh, came out as trans. I, you know, I think it was, you know, I probably equated a lot to cross-dressing. You know, mm. I had seen Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and, you know, I grew up in Ontario, and um, it was, at the time, it was a small town. Gosh, it's Brampton. It's not small by yeah. any means now. <laughs> and I did a lot of traveling, and by the time I landed out here um, in Nova Scotia, like, I still hadn't met anybody who mm. was openly trans as far as I had known. Um, I, you know, I've seen drag shows and, and that, but to mm. me, that was all always um the idea of it was you know men dressing up as women yeah. for performance yeah and it was all performative like as soon as like yes. the night was over you take everything off and you're like a man again or a I, woman again kind exactly of yeah. and i don't know i can't speak for other members of my generation but i do feel like i know from having spoken to other people um my age you know mostly those who knew my child before they transitioned mm. and having to explain you know they were really uncomfortable with it mm -hmm. and didn't understand at all that gender identity comes from messages in your brain yeah. as well. So I know like I was, I was in the dark, but I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think especially, you know, I'm not a parent, but I can, mm -hmm. I can empathize with like kind of what my parents experienced because growing up, I guess I was, I was very much kind of in that limbo stage of like, I very clearly did not want feminized like things. So mm -hmm. to the degree that putting a dress on me was like a complete disaster kind of thing. Um, but I was like a kid at the time and I think, and I think, I mean, I'm not in any shape or form saying that, you know, if you're a female identifying child not wanting to wear dresses that, oh, that suddenly means they're trans. But I think there's a lot of kind of like key things that you can see in a child's history from since birth that, you know, might kind of lean them towards like, okay, they're starting to, you know, not be comfortable around the binary like is there something mm -hmm. going on that's deeper that I can't really get out of them where they don't know the proper words how to describe how they're feeling and I think I think that's why we're seeing so many trans youth come out and it's not because trans is on the rise it's because trans kids now have all the language and the words that they need to describe how they feel and that we're giving kids the agency that they can be like I don't want to do this like I have the opportunity to set boundaries and say no and that was something that you know a little bit in my generation, but definitely many generations before of trans youth 
had to go through a lot of is you know not being able to transition until they were you know in their 30s or 40s and well, done their career and that's what causes so many of those um those um like mental health challenges like mm-hmm. you're saying you know and why trans was such um was so pathologized traditionally because when you're not seen or you're not represented and you're feeling this particular way but nobody's validating that mm-hmm. of course you're going to feel um sadness and and you're going to feel stressed mm-hmm. because you're going to start to think oh there's something wrong with me yeah um which can lead to depression and um you know spiking levels of anxiety and that but uh, like as we said through um like the american association of pediatrics and even the mm. trans health here in, at the IWK in Halifax, once um, you know, once a child, a trans youth, um, is recognizes the language mm. and they're supported, yeah. um, those statistics drop from mm. say I. I can't think off the hand of it's like 70 yeah. percent you know have suicidal thoughts and that drops right back down to three percent mm-hmm. aligned with any um cisgender child growing mm-hmm. up in a family when they're supported and they have that language yeah. so it's really important to note that it's not a pathology and often the anxiety the depression are not um they're more the symptoms of not being heard, yeah, and they don't make somebody trans, yeah, you know, and that yeah. that I think is a big misconception. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, let's treat the depression, and you're not going to be trans anymore. Yeah, or like right? people like, have this idea that like being trans, or especially like identifying as trans as youth, especially those younger than you know fifteen or puberty stages, like oh, it's just a phase, like they're just in their like experimenting uh, phase kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, like. Sure, it could be a phase, but a lot of times, maybe there are genuinely trans. Like, what is, what harm will it do if you allow your child to explore their gender, right? Like, you're giving them the opportunity and the agency to explore themselves and to give them the ability to, you know, start making those building blocks to to figure out who they want to be at a young age. There's absolutely nothing wrong with, like, you know, you have a son letting them go out and buy a dress and wear it, see how they feel, or letting them experiment with makeup, or if you have a girl, you know, taking her out to buy boy clothes. I remember when I was a kid, I used to buy boy boy clothes just because it was more comfy (laughs) and had nothing to do with, you know, um, gender or anything like that. I mean, maybe it did now that I'm looking back Mm -hmm. at it, but you know, there's, there was absolutely no harm in doing that. So I, I think a lot of parents, you know, are like, oh, I have to like protect my child. Like, you know, if my child is going through these phases like I don't want them to get like sucked into this like trans propaganda but in reality you're doing quite opposite you're not protecting them you're you know giving them the space yeah freedom yeah you need to give them the freedom to do it that's such a good point because um like a phase is traditionally defined as um lasting about a period of eight months Mm. um when someone goes through a particular phase generally it's about eight months long and I was totally in that situation I remember sitting across from our guidance counselor, and they're explaining to me what um, what transgender means mm-hmm. and, and how, so my child coming home and saying, you know, mom, I'm not a girl, I'm actually a yeah. boy, and I'm in a girl's body, which mm-hmm. is the language they had used. And so I was talking to the guidance counselor, and I was trying to make sense of this, and, and I was... I remember I kept asking, well, what if they change their mind? Yeah. What if, like, what if, what if I go along with this? What mm-hmm. if I support them? But what if they change their mind? And the guidance counselor just looked at me and was like, what if they do? Yeah. And I just thought, 
I had to step back and I thought, what if they do? And what harm is it? And that, yeah. it, that was it. It really put it into perspective that really, so what if they do? I've given my child that opportunity mm-hmm. to explore who they are and know that, you know, t- I took away that fear of rejection. I yeah, think. I think that's the biggest thing right? is that when you lay, you know, the building blocks there that you can identify as this or you can dress like this, you're, you're telling your child automatically that you're a safe space. That in the future, you know, they're going to come to you if they have issues regarding relationships, like other people, like gender, like not gender related things. You're telling them that you're a safe space and you're allowed, you're giving them the freedom to do what they want. And you trust their instincts and you trust their decisions. I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing that, you know, parents of gender diverse kids seem to struggle with is that mm-hmm. like what if it's a phase but it's exactly as you said like what if it's a phase like <laughs> yeah but now there's a lot of trolls online and like and sometimes like when you're yeah. you know you're educating and then you get that pushback of somebody going yeah but you know when i was little i, I wanted to be a frog but i can't be a frog when i grow up so yeah. should we be humoring our kids yeah. like, you know and i find that really frustrating but like what would you what, what do you say to that like what do you yeah you know I mean, like, I don't know, like, whenever people make those kind of, like, trolling comments, like, oh, like, attack helicopter or whatever, like, those drive me up the wall, but um, I'm like, yeah, like, who is it hurting? Like, genuinely, who is it hurting? Like, what child, <laughs> my uh, my partner and I are actually joking about this a little bit ago, but, like, what child hasn't gone out in the woods as a child and, like, pretended to be, like, a wolf or a horse or, like, a cat or oh, something? Yeah. Like, who yeah. hasn't done that? Or, like, mm-hmm. you know, it gets to a point, like, if your child is starting to their their Walk exploration yeah and they're starting to get a little you know too into it that you're like okay you know you know you have to walk to you the have store to today. walk to the store today we have to do these things but you know so many um, pediatric like uh, doctors will tell you that like those are a lot of those things are clearly phases because they eventually you know in that eight, eight month period yeah. they, they might extend for a little bit longer but after eight months it'll go away mm-hmm. so What's the harm in your child identifying as a frog? If they want to identify as a frog, cool, awesome. If that makes them happy, like, what? why should you tell them, like, hey, don't do this, right? Well, you know what's really beautiful is my little one, who is trans, um, my youngest of three, um, actually, when they were younger, had said, I really want to be a butterfly when I grow up. Well, and true. I remember them kneeling inside our open dishwasher while mm-hmm. they were bouncing up and down and telling me this. I want yeah. to be a butterfly when I grow up. And in essence, they kind of did. You yeah. know? Well, aren't all children. They kind of just transform and bloom as mm-hmm. they grow. But for me, metaphorically, I look back and I think, you know what? You are a butterfly. Yeah. Like you are. You know, you're amazing. And you did. You went through your chrysalis and were able to like... You know, stay true to who you are, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're so much happier, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, I think we just want all of we want our kids to be happy, yeah. and everybody deserves to be able to live authentically yeah. and uh, and a happy life, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I think something else we should dive into here um, just is the differences of transition, just kind of even on the topic of like a butterfly and mm-hmm. like going through that chrysalis phase. Um, oh, so. Yeah. I, this is kind of my opinion on it and everyone in the universe is going to have different opinions on what different types of transitioning there is, but I say it's kind of broken down into two categories is that there's a social transition and then there's, there can be a medical transition and neither of those are necessary to be trans. 
in my opinion. <laughs> I don't think you need to socially transition. I don't think you need to medically transition. I don't think you need to tell anyone. If you want to be trans, you can be trans. You can identify as trans. That's totally fine. Um, but if you do socially transition, that kind of encompasses if you start going by like a new name, start using new pronouns, um, you change your appearance or alter your appearance somehow. Yeah, haircut, clothing, yeah. Uh, makeup, etc. While a medical transition is if you're looking to do like hormone replacement therapy, also known as HRT, sex reassignment surgery, which is called SRS, um, and those more kind of not necessarily concrete things, but where you have to start getting medical interventions to change your physical appearance and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So that uh, there's a lot of you know controversy even within the trans community that you know you have to medically transition or you have to have dysphoria to be trans or you have to you know this and that. But I think it as we kind of just said, it breaks down to what's going to make the individual most happy. You know, you don't have to go and a lot of people can't get medical transition, like don't have access to that. I have a friend who, um, is, uh, a trans man, but it has a lot of, you know, uh, underlining medical issues and they can't get top surgery because that could be life or death for them. So they can't access those, those things, and a lot of people don't realize that, and that mm -hmm. doesn't make them not trans. It doesn't make them any less trans. Yeah, exactly. No, it's so true. I'm just going to touch on something because you said dysphoria, mm -hmm. and that you don't have to have dysphoria. So what is gender dysphoria? Let's just throw that definition yeah. out there so people know that now, for me, my understanding of gender dysphoria, um, it is, that's, um, a, a, it's a diagnosis of mm -hmm. the distress that some people yeah. feel with their body. So it's a heightened distress. Mm -hmm. They're not happy and they, you know, they feel it doesn't fit and they want to make a change. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is not every trans person feels gender dysphoria. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I think, I think especially if you look at youth who identify as trans, like it, a lot of them don't experience a lot of that distress. A lot of it is just like, I identify as this and they're, and they're totally fine with how their body looks and they're totally fine with their appearance. And that doesn't make them any less trans, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I think it breaks down to the idea that so many people think to be trans, like you have to dislike your body mm. and that's not the case whatsoever. No. Um, it's just gender dysphoria to me is that like you need that disconnect. It's not necessarily a dislike or a hate. It's that disconnect with some form of yourself that you currently identify as that you want to branch off of. But right. I don't, I don't necessarily think you need I would say you need gender dysphoria to probably medically transition because that's a mm -hmm. diagnosis and I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I think you're right, especially for younger um, trans mm -hmm. uh, youth that come out um, and say they're before puberty, mm -hmm. um, you would need a diagnosis of dysphoria to yeah. be able to even look at perhaps... Um, you know, going into blockers, which we can yeah. talk about in a future episode, um, or the hormone um, affirming therapy, hormone mm -hmm. replacement therapy. Um, but it is interesting because that was the one of the first things, and it used to just really, I found it really upsetting, was when um, when our kiddo um, first came out, and, and we, you know, obviously there were certain people we needed to explain to because we had to update names and you know the pronouns mm -hmm. and all that. 
their first question would always go to surgery. Yeah. And it would always go, so are they going to have surgery? And I was always so taken aback because I would never ask them, are you going to have, you know, is your husband going to have a vasectomy? Yeah. Your, you know, like that's just such a personal, and I don't yeah. know, like if they Why are you so concerned they with my that, child's genitals? Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, 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 that's if weird. that's their decision yeah. and that they will make when, when they're all, I can only help them right now, like with the social stuff, because mm. hey, like, let's face it, I make the appointments I yeah. buy the clothing and all of that so that's up for me to support you know but I'm sorry like no my 10 year old is not going to be going into having any kind of surgery at this point then if they wanted to there's still you know so many barriers and checks and everything along yeah. the way to ensure that everything is done yeah safely um, so when I when I first came out as trans I got all those questions like, when are you getting surgery and stuff? And it was a lot of questions from fellow trans people. So I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, is that like required to be trans? Like, do I have to do these things to be trans? So I think it's really interesting because this was back in 2014, 2015. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. No. Five, six years. Yeah. So I started testosterone in 2015. And when I started, um, when I was talking to the doctor, like, I felt like I needed to be, like, a macho man. Like, I needed to do all these things. Because when I first started on HRT, like, hormone replacement therapy, I identified as a trans man. But then after being on testosterone for many years and realizing, no, like, I don't identify as a man. Like, that's not where I feel myself. Like, I identify as masculine, but not a man. Because I still felt that uneasiness with that term. Mm -hmm. Um... So there was a lot of other trans men, like, when are you going to get surgery? Like, when are you going to do this kind of thing? And I'm like, ah, like, do I have to kind of thing? Yeah. So it took me a couple of years, even just being on testosterone, kind of backtrack myself and be like, no, I don't identify as that. Like, I'm non-binary. Like, that's how I identify. Mm -hmm. And being on testosterone hasn't changed that. Like, it hasn't made me feel like I need to be a man or that I need to, you know, be hyper-masculine. And I think, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is that like to go on testosterone or estrogen or Lupron or anything like mm-hmm. that, that doesn't mean your end goal is to become a man or to become a woman or to become like completely like hormonal or neutral kind of thing. Like it's just to be more authentically yourself. Right. Yeah. And that is, that's a really, that's a really good point. And to add a little more on yeah, that, yeah. um, when, um, uh, when our little person transitioned in the beginning, um, they almost went really machismo as well. Yeah. Like, re- like they almost, um, I know I had some family members saying, oh, it's almost like they're putting it on. They just seem like they're, like, it's, it's too much. Like, it's yeah. an act. And I was like, well, no, whoever they are is whoever they are. Yeah. But I think almost it was that sense for them that they had to prove themselves. That's, right? Yeah. And so in the very beginning, like, it's like, oh, no one's going to believe me. I really need to show them this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And then it was with a little bit of time as months went on, they relaxed into themselves, yeah. which is still like, 100% masculine for them, um, but not as strongly masculine as it was before. Yeah. I think that's so incredibly normal, like, for people who are starting, like, like especially hormones in particular, or even just socially transitioning, um, that you feel the need that, like, you have to, like, appease the binary. So if mm-hmm. you're, like, if you are a trans man or a trans woman or, like, non-binary or whatever have you, genderqueer, you have to be 
that kind of like stares like if you google like what does a trans man look like you need to fill that like box but we don't realize that that's a box that we're also putting ourselves into and that doesn't need to be the case you know there's so many different types of trans men like i'm five foot five like i'm not a stereotypical man height like when like my partner is six foot and uh he always riles me up he's like oh you're so short i was like yeah i'm normal woman height because i'm <laughs> biologically a woman like <laughs> you know testosterone isn't going to make me grow five inches and yeah i think we have to stop kind of defining what we think you know you're not a man unless you're six foot plus or- there's there's too many things that we we don't realize that we also impose on trans people to fill as trans people like there's an expectation for a trans man there's an expectation for a trans woman there's even an expectation for anyone who identifies as non-binary which is Mm -hmm. so weird like how do you show androgyny or like whatever (laughs) like it's such a mess but so as a statistic um i think some of the statistics i've heard recently is like one approximately like one in every 250 people identify under the trans umbrella Mm -hmm. but you know, likely the number is probably much higher um, because we haven't been capturing statistics, yeah. accurate statistics. Yeah. I do I did hear that um, Stats Canada is going to start trying to capture more statistics mm-hmm. around the trans community um, starting in 2022. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, which would be really great because it is hard to argue the supports needed and necessary. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard even from local politicians in Halifax that, you know, the numbers aren't there. Their numbers aren't there to to justify educating. And I just think, oh gosh, you know, what, how many, how many, what's the number? Yeah. What's the number to not erase one person? Well, that's the thing, right? Like what, what number do you need to start having an inclusive platform and like start including individuals of like different identities into, you know, your curriculum or your, you know, your workplace or whatever like mm-hmm. like i i find that kind of conversation so troublesome when people mm-hmm. base inclusion off of a number off of a number yeah well one one story that super resonated around that for me was i walked into the canadian museum of immigration mm-hmm. and they had this display there of cogs and wheels and it was a memorial to the saint louis in world war ii okay yeah, yeah. and this was a ship carrying refugees escaping mm. nazi germany and they first i believe arrived in cuba and they refused they were refused refuge there and turned Mm -hmm. away and then they stopped in the states and again they were refused Um, they weren't allowed to port there and they were turned away and the last place they came was Canada Mm -hmm. and they were refused here too and they were sent back to Germany and most perished um, they suffered horrible atrocities, but um, hundreds and hundreds died then in concentration camps and it coined the phrase like how much how many is too many yeah how many is and those are those policies that we had back then that turned away and turned a blind blind eye upon people mm-hmm. um and i think it just really speaks to our humanity on yeah how every person needs to count yeah yeah mm-hmm. like diversity efforts like when people try and um, we were talking about it the other day but like the tokenism like like you know you need to be authentically diverse and not like an intentional we're going to include one trans person in this statistics just to fill that bucket role. Right, right exactly. And it's the same with, like, you know, every other, you know, minority group, like people of color and stuff like that. Like, we all experience that very similarly that, you know, we the tokenism kind of aspect. And I think that, yeah, that's very tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Hey, sis folks, so thanks for hanging out with us for this half an hour of our very first podcast episode. It would be really great also if um, if you have things that you want to ask us, if you have questions, um, you can safely email them uh, to connect at simplygoodform.com and we'll be happy to answer any and all questions in upcoming episodes. We're going to be coming out again next week. We can dive a little bit deeper. We've got lots of amazing topics yeah. uh, coming up. For Hey Sis, I'm Cynthia. And I'm Isaac. And we'll talk to you soon.